Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Still, a podcast where we carve out space for meaningful conversation about God and life as we seek to pay attention to the ways He calls us to go deeper still in relationship with Him and with one another. My name is Sue Ann Camfield. I have the joy of being the host of this podcast. And as always, I'm so glad you're joining us today. I have to confess, today feels a little bittersweet because this episode of Deeper Still is the last episode of Deeper Still for 2022. It is so hard for me to believe how fast the last couple of months have actually gone, but also how fun they've been as I've looked back over these episodes, over the new guests that we've had the privilege of having some conversations with where they have taught us new things, they have expanded my perspective. I hope they've expanded yours as well. And of course, we've had the privilege of welcoming back some repeat guests, which is always fun to reconnect and to hear the way that God continues to shape his people. And so thanks to each and every one of you for joining the conversation. Thanks for tagging along. Thanks for being part of it and letting us know how it's going for you. And I just I just hope and I pray that God has used these conversations as much in your life as he has in mine. Well, I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up this year than by inviting us to go a little deeper into a conversation that we are having here as a church community this Advent season about what it looks like to cling to hope. And not just to cling to it, but to actually rejoice in it, to rejoice in it regardless of our circumstances, to rejoice in it in the midst of situations that feel dark and painful and chaotic in our broken world. And so we have our preaching team here at Christ Church has titled this sermon series, A Thrill of Hope, A Weary World Rejoices, which I think is actually beautiful and brilliant. And so I've invited two of my colleagues and my friends who I have the privilege of serving alongside with here at Christ Church, the lovely Tara Beth Leach and Charlie Browning. And so friends, whatever you're doing, wherever you find yourself today, I hope that you'll saddle up, settle in, and listen in as Tara Beth, Charlie, and I go deeper still. Well, Tara Beth and Charlie, it is so good to have you guys here, uh, both of you back on Deeper Still. You've both been here in the past, and so I appreciate you saying yes and accepting the invitation once again. Thank you so much for having us, Sue Ann. It's always fun. <laughs> it, it, always, it is always fun. And I, I have to say, so here's what's been on my mind, because we're going to be talking about Christmas today. We're talking about Advent. We're going to take a kind of deep dive in some ways into the sermon series that we've been Uh, Our preaching team has been working really hard on during this Advent season and super excited that both of you will be closing that out. Uh, Tara Beth here in our contemporary services, Charlie, you at our Butterfield campus. And so I'm excited to just kind of talk about that and get people excited to especially come not only these next couple weeks, but to be here with us in church on Christmas Eve and to invite their families and friends and all the good things. But here's what's top of mind for me this morning, because I have to... um, confess something to you guys. So I had a friend over last night and we were talking about, of course, the infamous question, like, are you ready for Christmas? Right. Have you guys been asked that yet? Have you been talking about that? Everywhere I go, (laughs) everybody wants to know. And I want to like, just like scream. No, (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) I work in a church. (laughs) Not I'm getting ready close. here. <laughs> I was wondering, do people ask guys that question as much as they ask women? I don't think so. I think that <laughs> Allie just asked me that question um, because she probably gets it so much. We've, we're, we're, we're at the point, too, where we're, we're 
we are so unprepared that um, she's she's a much better gift giver and buyer than I am. But um, every day I wake up and I'm like, today is the day that we're going to put out Christmas lights in front of our yard. And um, I think I'll probably get up on like the 26th. And be like, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to do it today. Uh, that's awesome. Jeff just asked me this morning. He said, "What if I, what if I get up the ladder this weekend and put up the lights?" <laughs> I was like, "Babe, we are." It's. I said, why? And we have a big A-frame roof, you know, old English Tudor house, very steep, very high up. And I was like, I think we could skip it this year. We, we got our tree up. We have our wreath out. Um, but we just don't have the lights out. It's pretty good. We, yeah, and we're on the unfortunate, I don't know how you guys are, but um, we we have the unfortunate pleasure of having the, the literal next-door neighbors who win the neighborhood oh, award no. every year oh. for the best neighborhood lights. <laughs> I, apparently it's given out. You know, I've I've never been aware of it, but it's given out, and they said so th- it's just this massive display of lights, and and then you have to keep going one house down, and we're like, oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> that is unfortunate, <laughs> Charlie. I have to say, here's the. Yeah. Let me tell you something about that because I, you and I live in the same neighborhood, and when uh, my husband. Eric, your predecessor, was the Butterfield campus pastor, and he wanted to get involved in the community. He volunteered us as a family to be the judges for who would drive around in the neighborhood and judge all the houses and the lights. So it is a real thing. It is a real thing. And I was super excited about it. And so I make my kids and Eric get in the car, and I'm all like, come on, come on. And Eric is like driving super fast through the neighborhood and not like, you know, it's like he'd barely break in front of the house. Like, okay, do you guys like that one? And I'm like, you guys, like we got it. Like people are counting on us to really judge their houses. So everyone in my car was like bah humbug about it. And I ended up having to do the whole thing pretty much by myself. So Charlie, if I was still on the committee, maybe I would award your house. Yeah, you could give us some credit. (laughs) We do have like a little tiny planter in front that has a little... (laughs) Little Christmas stick in it, but they were out. It was it was mid November. It was pre Thanksgiving, and they were out. You know, wow. had all the ladders and the fixtures, and uh, it's just one of those things where they're ready for Christmas. I'm not. I I, hear you. I have a um. I had a friend come over last night, and on my por- front porch is a huge black garbage bag filled of greenery that I took left over from our women's Christmas event here. They had left over. I was like, don't get rid of it. I will take it home and decorate. And it's literally sitting on a garbage bag in- on my front porch. That's how far yeah. I got with it. I'm like, <laughs> my friend yes. came over. I'm like, I'm so yes. sorry. Yes, I, I have one more confession for you. Oh, do it. Just, you know here what? we go. This is, this, is the, this is the confession hour. <laughs> I've never sent out Christmas cards. Ever? Yes. Do you what? do you have a, ever have a I've plan? I've never to? been able to. <laughs> I just have never in my life had the capacity. I have since I've been married. I have always been working in a church, mm. and c- the Christmas season in ministry is just. Um, I want yeah. to. I love getting Christmas cards. Yeah. I love displaying them in my home. I cherish them, and I have just never had the capacity to do that mm-hmm. it's just like that you know we all have like that one project that would maybe set us over the edge mm-hmm. yeah that's it for me so I've i got feel, like seven of those yeah okay so like i feel like i need to confess this because if anybody's ever listening if anybody listening right now is wondering why have i never gotten a christmas card Charlie from and Tara I were just talking I, we were, about that uh, yeah you been, came in. it's been something that's been <laughs> keeping go. me up for a I'd, couple days someday now. someday i have a dream that it will happen <laughs> You know, we're gonna scrap the whole rest of our conversation and, and just like confession of a pastor hour. At of Christmas the, time. Of all the unfortunate <laughs> situations, too, you have like the the best photographer to take a it, Christmas. I really do. Jeff is an amazing photographer, but someone needs to find the addresses and stamp them yeah. and order them. All the and stuff. I'm like, who has time who for that? that? I'm trying to feed my children. I know. <laughs> 
one thing at a time. You know, we're all doing the best we can. That's yes. what I always say. You yes. know what? We all have different yeah. things. We're all doing the best we can. Yeah. Which is why, my friends, we need a sermon series called A Thrill of Hope, A Weary World Rejoices. <laughs> a Christmas <laughs> card world. <laughs> Did you like that segue? That was pretty good. Uh, you will that know good. That, the, that the weary, the weary world re- will rejoice when they receive Christmas cards yeah. from me at last. Yes, that's right. That's right. That will be the most How rejoicing. Long to <laughs> Sorry, oh, never going to be invited on this podcast yeah. again. I have derailed everything. <laughs> this is the best. All right, so Weary World Rejoices. Um, so what I didn't know uh, about this, so the first week we started, so for those of you listening who may not know, we've been going through the sermon series, and it started uh, two two weeks ago mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. right? I think December 4th. Yep. Dan kicked Coming us up off. to week three. Coming up to week three. Um, and so Dan kicked us off and he told the origin of the story behind A Holy mm-hmm. Night, which um, is where we're each week in the sermon series, yep. we're pulling a line from the song. And so he told the story and I did not know it before and I thought mm-hmm. it bared worth repeating. And if yeah. you guys want to chime in, yeah. if I miss any parts or reflect on that. Um, but apparently it was written back in 1843 mm-hmm. when there was a parish priest in a uh, small village in France. And I just am imagining this parish priest and in his church they had renovated their pipe organ and so he was excited during this time to unveil the pipe organ to his small parish except that the world around them was in turmoil so france had just uh finished a war the economy was bad in their very own congregation there was a disease and illness that was raging and so people in their own congregation died and um this priest is trying to hold these two things in tension, right? How do I celebrate what is good Mm -hmm. in the midst of what is dark? Mm -hmm. And he goes on to ask, um, I don't know if he knew this guy, a local lawyer uh, was part of Dan's story, Placide Capot, and he asked him to write a Christmas poem to celebrate the dedication of this uh, organ. And Capot... um, writes a holy night and he doesn't write it as a song he writes it as a poem and a couple of years later uh, a composer came along and put it to music and then I guess a famous opera singer um, sang it and it just went viral in 1847 Um, and that's how we came up with a holy night but I was just thinking about that and sitting with that story a little bit and just so struck by how we still hold that tension today, right? We look at the last couple of years and I mean, who are we kidding? It's not just been the last couple of years, but maybe the last couple of years are most on our mind of the darkness and the chaos of when we look around what it feels like our world is, but it's still also is a place of joy and light and hope. Mm-hmm. And how do we hold those thing, two things in mm-hmm. tension? And I'm just wondering if you guys can reflect on that a little bit, especially as pastors and church leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we hold those two things in tension, especially in the midst of the Advent season? Yeah. You know, I know over the last two years since the COVID-19 pandemic began, two and a half years, hard to believe. Uh, Churches across America have been talking about how heavy and hard things feel. And I know for me, there's times where I I feel weary of talking about how heavy and hard Mm, things feel. And so then the temptation for me is to muscle through it and say, everything's fine. We've got to power through. Everything's great. And the danger when we do that is we are ignoring the reality that there is still a lot of suffering and pain Um, and all the more reason to cling to hope, not sweep it under the rug, but hope when 
when we when we can embrace the reality that that things still feel hard, um, I think all the more does hope stand in stark contrast mm-hmm. um, to the world today. And as gospel people, as sons and daughters of the resurrection, we are called to be people of hope. And we're not hoping out of everything's great, but we're hoping out of this reality of this broken space that we live in. And so when I think about this song and the context which it was written, um, it was in a war-ridden, um, disease-filled, um, um, difficult financial landscape. Well, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the war in Ukraine is still happening. And, you know, the way that news cycles happen, we get weary of talking about those things and we move on quickly. But that's still happening. There's still pain happening around the globe. COVID-19, COVID is flaring again. Um, the financial forecast is concerning and the, and the, the news cycle is just kind of spinning and, and moving on from some of these difficult scenes quickly. And again, like I go back to the, the temptation to want to muscle through it, but I think the call is for us to not just move past it, mm-hmm. to pause and then to be people of hope. Mm-hmm. That's so good, Charlie. What are your What are your thoughts around that? I think that's really good, Tobeth. I'm I'm. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I would I would echo everything that, that that you just said, and 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 I think for me personally, one of the things that um, and and I, d- I I grew up in a church that um, sort of honored the um, the 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 seasons of of the church and the church calendar in a way, um, and, and then I and then. Part of my faith journey ended up where I was. I was um, part of some faith communities that that that, that was a less less prevalent. And um, some of the beauty of sort of rekindling that for me has been recognizing how they something like a season, the season of Advent, um, places us intentionally in this state of in period of waiting. And, and one of the things that I most appreciate about Advent, or that I think is um, most helpful for me is that Advent's a season that doesn't necessarily um, or intentionally does not ignore the darkness, that, that, that part of the waiting and part of Advent is acknowledging the darkness. Um, now, the, the darkness isn't the end of the story, that there, there's a light coming and, and a light shining in the darkness, but, um, but it, doesn't, it does not sort of move past the darkness in a way that, 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 that pretends as though it doesn't exist or is not there, that, that the that this liturgical season purposely places us in that darkness and, and calls us to wait. Um, I think I think she's a former podcast guest, um, Sharon Hardy Miller, mm. uh, it, and she she tweeted this out recently, and I really appreciated it. She says the original Christmas story began with uncertainty, rejection, fear, vulnerability, darkness, and the prolonged silence of God. And then she goes on. She says, if your soul feels dissonant with the shininess of cultural Christmas. Just know that you are perfectly in tune with Advent. Mm. And I just thought that was a really helpful way of framing in so few words, uh, you know, what it means to really sit with this season and, and be able to sit with this idea of, like, we're acknowledging the darkness of the world. Um, and it, it leads us to be weary, mm-hmm. but the season of Advent, you know, sits us and <coughs> positions us in that. Um, but we know that's not the end of the story. We know there's actually a coming of hope. And there's something beautiful about rejoicing the fact that, you know, 
what was once darkness is becoming light. Yeah. I thought, Dan, the the first sermon series, or the first sermon of this, just points exactly to what you guys are saying, that Dan started off with the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we see that. They, you know, they're in this period of waiting. They had been waiting for so long without child, and they had been waiting and waiting and waiting. And Dan says, you know, they'd been waiting for grace so long, but it hadn't come. And Dan talked about the faithfulness, how faithful they were, and um, what upstanding people they were, and they were doing all the right things. And he just reminded us, like, you can do all the right things. You can you can do the best things. You can be the best people, and yet you don't get to schedule God's grace. You don't always get to say, uh, you know, God's grace lives with us all the time. But when you're hoping for something, when you're longing for something, you don't you don't necessarily get to say and when that's going to come to fruition. And we see that in the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth. And he reminds us that, um, you know, the song from Old Holy, or the, the line from Old Holy Night that says, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And and we can't have the light break the darkness without both of those things true. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's been, I mean, we've been, in, uh, yeah, the, the, I, I, you know, life is seasonal in so many ways. And we've been in one of those seasons over the last few years where it feels like, uh, I, I'm sure everyone ends up in them at some point and probably multiple times throughout their life where it feels like you, you, you sit around and you ask, okay, well, when's the, when's the, the new and glorious morn coming? That's right. Um, and so, so, so this season of the church calendar in particular, I think is most meaningful for me in this particular season of my life. And just that it's, you know, if nothing else, I can hold to the promise that is true, that the, the new and glorious morn is coming. Um, it doesn't make the, the, the meanwhile any any stinkier or any less stinky. Um, but, but what a meaningful promise. Absolutely. And one of the things that I think is absolutely tragic coming out of a lot of the pain we've seen is instead of seeing this, this contrast between darkness and light as something... Um, that is beautiful in this already but not yet space as we look towards resurrection, hope. Instead of clinging to hope, I think what we're seeing is so many people numbing themselves. Mm-hmm. Just want to get through it. And again, that's that danger of wanting to power through is when, we're, when we try to power through, muscle through the darkness, we're not being honest with ourselves. We're not being honest with one another. And so we, we look to find ways to get through it. And so many are, are looking to self-medicate mm-hmm. um, and to numb their way through this when instead the gospel message is that mourning is breaking in, mm-hmm. hope is breaking in, the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm-hmm. And the kingdom of God has already come. And so I think that's part of the tension, too, is that we're waiting. We're waiting for the hope. We're, we know it's coming in this Advent season, but when we take a step back and look not just at the season or not just at our life circumstances, hope has already come, right? The, the light has already broken through the darkness, and I think when we can hold on to that eternal perspective, yeah. and Charlie, like you said, it doesn't make our circumstances all of a sudden, we're not, we're not all of a sudden um, better or happy. Uh, it's not dependent on our circumstances, but when we can step back and, and look at the bigger story and realize that, okay, I can have hope because it is already finished. It is done. This hope has already happened, and he's among us, and he's Emmanuel, and he is God with us. And 
Taylor, that's so right. It's the, the, the numbness is such the, um, that, that, that's maybe the premier temptation over anything else in the season that we live in is mm-hmm. just, just go to numb. And that's, again, there's, the caveat there is that it's not saying that, um, you know, going, be relaxing through watching Netflix or something is a bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, but I think one of the reasons that numbness is the temptation that we go to is because it is so darn hard to, to sit and wait in the darkness. Like, well, what, you have to desperately cling to the hope and the coming of mm-hmm. the light. And 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 but and you actually have to acknowledge the darkness and sit face mm-hmm. to face with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and numbing is so much easier in the short term than doing yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Numbing um, or despairing. Um, but the good news for us is that this hope is very real, and morning is bursting forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was, I was uh, just struck. I was reading something the other day, and. Um, uh, the, the, it was talking about how uh, w- what it must have been they're they're putting themselves in the in the situation of what it must have been like to observe Jesus in his first few days on earth um, just as a as a baby lying in a manger needing fed and changed and all of these things and and the author came to the conclusion and he says you know, what we can learn above that of all else is that God is in no rush mm-hmm. um, and it's this beautiful character trait of his that also is. Uh, yet can make living in the darkness mm-hmm. hard sometimes. Is that we just have to acknowledge he he is in no rush, um, and he's up to something good. It's just uh, there's there's a when question that Dan got at in in his sermon that is 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 worth us really wrestling with sometimes because um, we like to be in a rush. Yeah, yeah, and, and we don't have control over God's timing, and we're people who honestly suck at waiting. I mean, we, we are people who, you know, our darkness doesn't have to be upon us very long before we're crying out mm-hmm. how long, you know? <laughs> and so we, we are not very good at long suffering. It is not a, especially a, a culture trait of, you know, Western American culture. We don't, we don't wait, we don't do darkness well. And so I think that just exasperates exacerbates yeah. the, the problem and then we start asking well why not now you know why not and we we start to project that on god or get frustrated mm-hmm. and, and some of that's very human and natural and we all do it and so I, I don't mean it um you know to shame anybody because i've certainly been in those circumstances too but it's just a reminder of the you know how long oh lord and sometimes it's yep. it's a long time well, Charlie, let's talk about your sermon that you um, just led us through this past Sunday, which was amazing, by the way. Just so Thanks. many. I, I told you um, the beginning of the sermon, people were laughing and the end of the sermon, people were crying. And I said, that's how you know it's a good sermon <laughs> when, when those two things can be true. Uh, but you had the line from Oh Holy Night that was fall on your knees. And was that the, yep. was, yeah, that, yeah. that was right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Make I didn't sure mean I to look at you confusingly. Like, <laughs> yeah, you did. Was so really I wasn't. Right? I wasn't sure. I thought I had it wrong <laughs> for a minute. Um, which was Mary's story, and um, how, especially how Mary responded to the circumstances that she was in. And so, reflect a little bit um, with us about about her story, about the falling on your knees, about um, how how hope broke through her darkness. Yeah, yeah. The, one of the things that I mean, M- Mary's story is is so well-known um, to many who are familiar with the Christmas story, but, but one of the things that was captivating to me as I was 
uh, you know, preparing to share this message was 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 her song specifically, and and sort of how how she responds, so to speak, to the way that she perceives that God uh, is bringing light into this darkness. Um, she she she's one of the first people in the Christmas story to catch you know catch hold of the fact that 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 this light is coming, mm-hmm. um, and and her response is this beautiful crying out or I think as Capo summarizes it so well this this falling on her knees in worship of God she, she's worshiping who he is uh, the one who who feeds the hungry and gives out mercy and then she's worshiping him for for what he's done and how he works in her life specifically and um, and it, so it's striking to me just how we um, and, and one of the things that I was, that was just I yeah, every time you preach a sermon, you just basically preach to yourself and other people <laughs> happen to be listening. Yes. But um, it was striking to me just like what gets in the way of us reacting and responding to this beautiful story of light coming into darkness mm. in the way that Mary did. Mm. Um, and I think there are lots of things, but especially our pride and our shame can can cloud and blind us to be able to recognize how God actually is at work in the midst of the darkness, that there's light coming. Um, that we can see it tangibly in different ways and different means of grace that he's giving us today. Um, and that we can actually respond by mm. what Capo says is, is falling on our knees and acknowledging that. Um, and so I just think that it's, this, it's a, really neat, a really neat way that she frames how it is that, you know, she doesn't understand exactly where all this is going to lead or anything like that, but she just knows this is from God. Mm. And so it must be really good. Um, yeah. yeah. I love how you use the pride and shame examples because it's so true because often our response to God is either we're, we're prideful mm-hmm. in that we think we're, we think we're the ones in charge. <laughs> we think we're the, we're the author of our own story or we let circumstances of our past or our background or maybe something we're going through at present, the shame piece mm-hmm. to feel like we're disqualified from the story. And yeah. I thought those were so, those really hit me. I thought those were so relatable and I've been in both of those places in my life. Yeah. yeah I was going to say that's not even to speak to the fact of what if there's a combination of the <laughs> two and then you find yourself in a real, uh, yeah, the, the, it just requires, uh, it does require intentional work and growth in a way that allows you to continually to to not be blinded to be able to see how, that, that God actually is bringing this this light into the darkness and you're we're invited into it yeah yeah, yeah. and Terabeth I'll let you jump in if you want to jump in here I was going to read one little line from his sermon but I want to give you a chance to respond no okay um <laughs> I thought this was so good. So there's, I, I have um, Charlie's sermon script. There's nothing worse than, I don't know how you guys feel about that when someone reads my sermon script. It is so vulnerable, but this is Charlie. is so good. You say for Mary and Elizabeth, um, the, and I love that you brought Elizabeth into this mm-hmm. place too, but the story of the coming of Jesus is their story. They are part of it. And if you're like them, an ordinary nobody or someone who's broken, hurting, or in need of hope, then the story of Christmas is your story too. It tells you and me that God is still at work. He is still God, and he has chosen us, chosen us to be part of the redemption and restoration of this world. And I just think that is so good. You go on to say, no matter where you find yourself today, God is adamant that he is at work in your life. He is for you, and he is for me. I think that is a message we need to be reminded of. I Yeah, I need to be reminded <laughs> of that message all the time. 
Well, because you, you talked about the way um, p- that's part of the story, right? That one of the questions that we're asking ourselves is, you know, is God there? Is he? Does he care? Is he for me? You know, and I, I think um, when we're able to look at Mary's story, it's a wonderful reminder that, yeah, yeah, he actually is both of those things. Well, uh, week three uh, has not happened yet. So week three is coming up. <laughs> uh, can't wait. I know. I uh, can't wait either to hear what Dan is going to say about, oh, hear the angel voices. But he's going to tell the story of the shepherds and talk about the way they rejoiced. Um, and they had been waiting. You know, mm-hmm. they had been waiting. And the one of the things I love about the story of the shepherds is, they're in the they're literally in the darkness when the light breaks through like mm-hmm. you know it's such a beautiful picture and i i have shared this story before but you know i grew up on a farm i grew up out in the middle of no, nowhere on 275 acres with no lights anywhere and so when it was dark it was dark and when the stars came out like they were bright there were no other lights around and and i imagine the shepherds being in that setting where it's just pitch blackness and then you're seeing the brilliance of the stars in mm-hmm. the sky and then even in the brilliance of that it just gets brighter and brighter and brighter as mm-hmm. the angels come through and I, I just love that picture as they were waiting as they were longing they were in their own mm-hmm. advent and their response to that is just they rejoice mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think in the midst of, you know, we're talking a lot about darkness and weariness and, you know, Tara Beth, you were talking about just that numbing and, and kind of muscling through. But in the midst of that, we can still rejoice. Mm-hmm. You can still rejoice regardless of your circumstances. Mm-hmm. Speak into that a little bit. Yeah, well, I think it's also, you know, important to note, too, that the shepherds were afraid at first. They didn't know what to make of it, which is just such an incredible an incredibly true human response Mm -hmm. to how we often feel when things aren't unfolding in the ways that we might expect or when things out of the ordinary happen. Um, There's there's a lot of fear. And then when things begin to come together, they can't help but then rejoice. And we don't know fully, you know, what they're – we have a few – few verses but we don't know fully like what their journey from fear to trust to rejoicing was like but I think that's a journey that so many of us go on um, in so many different seasons Um, I feel like that's a cycle that I'm on a lot Mm. you know when when things go a different way than I expected or when I'm in a stressful and demanding season sometimes I'm afraid And so God has to take me on this new journey then of trusting again, um, of clinging to him. And then you find yourself as you're going through that, you know, like, oh, like God is, as God is for me, God is with me. And the Christian response then is to erupt with rejoicing. Mm You know, one of my favorite authors is Kate Bowler. I love everything. I mean, everything she does. I listen to her podcast, read her books. Like, she's... um, so good. And for those of you who have not heard of Kate Bowler, she's a um, professor at Duke and just has been an author and um, just really influential. And she wrote a book called um, Everything <laughs> Happens that, for yeah, a everything Reason. Everything and Other Lives, I yes. believe. Thank you. And I've referred to it on this podcast before, but her mantra is always, um, life is beautiful, life is hard. Life is beautiful. Life is hard. And she tells her story of, you know, finding out that she was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. And that was kind of what 
what she learned through part of the process is life is beautiful, life is hard. And I, I love that we can hold those things, two things together. Mm-hmm. Just like we go back to the story of a holy night in Capot, right? He's trying to rejoice in the midst of the darkness. And we can do that, that both of those things can coexist at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important reminder because it's easy for us to spiral down into the darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also need to continue to lift one another up and say, you know what, there is, you can celebrate in the midst of the darkness at the same time. You can rejoice. Mm-hmm. There's something beautiful, too, just about the fact, and, and just one of my own journeys has been to, to, to recognize that, that, that a life of following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, and, and living and, and participating in, in, in God's current and coming kingdom has almost everything to do with living in constant tension. Mm. Um, and, and I think, you know, the Christmas story is filled with tension. And sometimes I think one of the things of being able to just, you know, like Kate is so, so good at, at, at sharing for us is just an acknowledgement of that, that just because one thing is true doesn't mean another thing is not true. Yes. Um, so, so, so there can be darkness and there, there can be light coming mm-hmm. in at the same time, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and for us to be actually able to grasp that and for us to be able to sit with that and for that to become part of our ethos in life, is, is, it, 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 makes, it makes every bit of difference. And I wonder, um, you know, I just, at least even, even the culture that I grew up in, um, yeah, it, and this is not a, a blaming thing of, of others, but I just, just part of a culture that there's a, there's a little bit of stumbling for people who grew up in the faith because there wasn't enough acknowledgement of this like really complex, mm. mysterious tension that happens. Um, and I think we see so clearly in the Christmas story. Um, and so when, when you don't have that, then you can't figure out what to do with darkness. Why is it not always light or mm. vice versa? Um, but when you can acknowledge that, then, then it makes this beautiful picture of how God is at work and how this is still hard. And, and it removes pride and it removes shame and it allows for humility. Um, all these things that we hope to move toward. And so just as you're talking, mm-hmm. Sue, I think there's something something beautiful about recognizing the tension that, that Kate sets up there yeah. in that way. Yeah, I think one of the most beautiful places I've seen it in my own life, uh, not in my life, but as something I've had the privilege of being a little bit closer to, uh, I've told the story of my friend Rebecca on this podcast. I've had her on, and um, Rebecca lost her son at 19 years old a couple of years ago, and she has gone on to start her own nonprofit called Ian's Place for bereaved parents. And because I'm good friends with Rebecca, I've been around a lot of these bereaved moms. And to see, um, to know the pain they carry, and yet to see them in different circumstances expressing joy, and to know some of their journeys a little more intimately where I, I knew them at the beginning. Uh, Rebecca's a great example when, I, when she first lost Ian and I saw the pain and the brokenness that she was in. And she continues to carry grief and pain, but then when I see the light and the joy and the hope in her that she is not only for herself, but she's been able to bring to other people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a picture of what joy and pain, beauty, light and darkness, living side by side mm-hmm. look like in the life of someone. And I feel like I've just learned so much. I've been so humbled by watching those women go through their stories just at a very, in a very peripheral way. Mm-hmm. And the complexity of that story is so much more than just saying, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the, that diminishes so much of the beauty of... And the and the 
the, the genuineness of what it is to experience life and mm. hardship and renewal and restoration. Yeah. So complicated. Life is hard, you guys. Life is hard. Life is really hard. <laughs> it was even harder before COVID, too. We forget that. Uh, well, you guys are going to be um, preaching in a few weeks at our Christmas Eve services. I'm so excited for that. I hope people listening, if they don't have a church home or maybe um, find themselves without somewhere to go, I hope they would come out and join us for one of our services this Christmas Eve. But share a little bit about what um, maybe what people can expect or what maybe what they can hear or, um, in terms of bringing some light, <laughs> bringing yeah. some hope to the weary world. Why is it, why is it important to, to be just part of a church community and other people who are doing that for us maybe when we can't do it for ourselves? I just asked you like eight questions in one, That's so great. feel free great. to well, respond however you want to yes. best. Yeah, so, you know, in all of our services, people can expect, you know, the tradition of the Christmas story and Christmas carols and being able to gather with their family and um, friends, um, or even if they if they come come alone, um, they're gathering with the family of God. Um, but in addition to, of course, the Christmas st- story and the the Christmas carols, um, we'll be reflecting on through through storytelling and through music, and then through the sermon on on how the Christmas story is one about the divine colliding with the limitations of humanity Mm. in a very profound way. Um, When Jesus was born, he was born as fully human and fully divine, um, which also meant that in his humanity, he experienced some limitations, Mm -hmm. right? He probably injured his finger with tools when he was a carpenter. He felt hungry. Um, he cried. He experienced limitations of what it's like to be human. And he was also fully divine, mm. fully God, completely and not just partially God, but fully and totally and completely God and not not just partially human, but fully and completely human. And so uh, Christ is born in a world of nothing but limitations. Um with a humanity that knows nothing but limitations. And we see the story of Joseph, um, who when he first finds out that his life is completely upended, the temptation for him is to try to work through some of that by solving it, by quietly divorcing. Um, And then we see Mary, who at first is just thinking, how is this even possible when she receives the news? We see the shepherds in the field, and they're afraid. And every single one of these people, the first people that were to hear, same with Zechariah and Elizabeth, every person, the first people to hear about the coming of the Messiah were all people with profound limitations. Mm -hmm. And Jesus comes and becomes like us in some of our limitations, so that in Christ, we can become like him in his holiness. And so the call for us uh, on Christmas is to first embrace our limitations. It's a reminder that we're not divine. It's a reminder that we're not God. It's a reminder that we can't muscle through everything and be just fine. It's a reminder that we can't fix every single situation. It's a reminder that, that we can't be our own heroes but that we have profound limitations 
and how desperately we need the divine Christ Mm -hmm. in our lives. That's a sermon that can preach. (laughs) Amen. That's so true. The, um, I just think I, I was, I've, I, I'm new to the, to the pastoral. Tara Beth has an excuse for not giving Christmas cards because she's been in church ministry for a number of years. I don't. We just haven't done a Christmas card. I'm <laughs> relatively new to the pastoral side. So we've been attending Christmas Eve services for, you know, forever. And um, I think one of the things that I recognize about attending a Christmas Eve service is, is, is that it can feel s- so uh, so abstract um, in, in it sometimes when when you when you go to a um, a service like Christmas Eve and 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 you can find yourself I guess I'll just speak for myself find yourself engaging in like okay well this isn't really incredibly relevant to my life um, this is a story that happened a long time ago and I'm glad God came and that was a very good thing of Him to do and uh, you know now I'm going to go home and get ready to open presents or you know eat a good meal or something like that. And uh, it, it is exactly what Terabeth said. It, it just constantly strikes me about the, the incredible truth that is the Emmanuel God, that, 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 that what, a, what a beautiful thing to know that uh, we can come together on one day every year and center ourselves on the fact that God is actually with us you know, moved every mountain, crossed every divide to be right there with us. Um, and, 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 and as I've walked through various challenges in life, um, there, there has been no other truth worth reflecting on for me. Mm-hmm. No other thing that I've, I can't even imagine trying to cling to anything else other than, well, if nothing else, at least God is right here in the midst of it with me. Um, and, and so, I, I hope that we as a church just get to get to hold on to that idea. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we need to remind ourselves of that idea mm-hmm. this Christmas Eve, that wherever we are, whatever we're feeling, that God is sitting right there in the midst of it with us. God is with you in your limitations. Mm-hmm. And also, just seeing you, I'm able to see your face right now, and everybody listening can't, but when you said, I can't imagine anything else, I thought, Ah, he means that. Yeah. He's for real. Like, he means that. But yeah. you also mean it because you realize that without God, you would be stuck in so many of your limitations and maybe be turning towards numbing your pain um, or powering through and realizing that it's just you just keep ending up in the same space. And so it's, it's, it's a trusting that God is with us in our limitations and also embracing our limitations that right. we are not God. Yeah, cuz we can we can acknowledge that God is with us in our limitations, but if we're still interested in being God, then we can't let him That's right. be God in that limitation. But if we're going to do the do the vulnerable and hard and scary thing of turning over the God card and giving it to him mm-hmm. and saying, no, "You're actually God." Um, and I'm 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 recognizing who I am in my limitations and who you are in your in your divine, infinite nature, then, then, then that's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's, there's nothing that pierces darkness more than that, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a neat truth to reflect on. And not to, just to reflect on, but when you really get that, when you really take hold of it, 
that's why we can rejoice. (laughs) That's why a weary world can rejoice in the midst of anything it throws our way because that's the hope we can hold on to. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen, my friends. Now you're getting me all excited for all kinds of (laughs) Christmassy things. This is good stuff. Well, we're about out of time. And so I just have one last question uh, for both of you. And first, I'll just say thank you for just some amazing reflections as we sit with that. It's a little bit of a heavy thing to sit with, but um, you guys just helped us hold on to it in some new ways. So thanks for that. So one of the questions I've asked everyone who has come on Deeper Still here over these last couple of months is... um, how God is calling you in this current season of your life, because we, we really believe pretty strongly here at Deeper Skill still that, um, you know, God is never done with us. We, we have never arrived. We, you know, there's always places in our lives that just when we think we've kind of like, okay, I've figured this out, God calls us to go deeper, and then he calls us to go deeper still. And so um, as much as you're comfortable in sharing in the space that you're in, what is, what is one space right now in your life where God is calling you to go deeper still? Yeah, for me, it's presence, conscious presence, um, where I'm actually paying attention to the voice of God, to the leading of God, but also paying attention to the voice of the people around me, the presence of the people around me. This is a season where I am going at such a fast pace, so much to do, that I forfeit. I'm tempted to, I, I do. I forfeit presence. I forfeit presence with my family. I forfeit presence with God because I think I've got holy work to do. <laughs> I've, got, I've got sermons to write. I've got emails to respond to, congregants, things to do. And this morning I just felt just the spirit really, really convict me to slow down and to be wildly audaciously, ridiculously present to God and to the people around me. It's really good. Thanks for sharing that. Charlie, how about you? That's great. I think one of the things that I've uh, had to learn, the way that I've gone deeper still, so to speak, in this season is just having to learn how to um, how to hand over the reins to God and say, you know, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my do everything I can to stop trying to uh, figure out how this is all going to conclude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I've, I've, I've had to very concertedly, um, yeah, ju- just sit with the fact that I have lived life in a in a significant capacity in a, in a way that I've 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 tried to sort of uh, navigate everything as though I'm God, um, or at least have a have a hand on it. Uh, I like let him be God, but I, I want to at least get a sense of how things are going to develop or uh, hold on to control in some capacity. And um, I think God's calling me to, 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 to open-handedly relinquish every single last ounce of that, um, which has been a, a, a relatively painful journey in some ways, but has, has, he, he, he works in that way. And so he's, he's, he's called me to do that for sure recently. That's really good. Well, those are those are pretty deep thoughts and pretty um, authentic, transparent uh, things to share. So I appreciate you, my friends. I appreciate you as friends. I appreciate you as colleagues. I appreciate you as 
ministry leaders in the church I call home. And so thanks so much for taking the time to be here today um, and to share parts of your story and to help lead us and guide us into this beautiful Advent season. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Sue Ann. Well, friends, my hope and my prayer for you this day is that you've been reminded throughout the course of this conversation of God's presence, that He is for you and with you, and that He is always at work in your circumstances, not only your circumstances, but He's at work in the world around us. And so don't lose heart. Whatever you are facing today, remember that you and I, that we together, we can rejoice in hope because Emmanuel, our Savior, has come. If you don't have a place to worship this Christmas, please know you are always welcome here at Christ Church. Bring your family, your friends, your neighbors, your dog, uh, or just show up. Show up, and as Tara Best said, enjoy being part of the family of God. You can find all of our service times and locations for both December 23rd and 24th at Christchurch.us. We'll be back with new episodes of Deeper Still in January, so be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, join the conversation, and don't miss a thing. Until then, Merry Christmas, my friends. Happy New Year. May the thrill of God's hope bring you peace in all things.